Saying that I'm live, stalling a little bit. Who knows when I'm actually live? Because I've got an absolutely massive delay. <laughs> First time Twitch streaming on Twitch has messed me up. <laughs> now I'm perfectly fine to go live singing like a weirdo. You know, that's the kind of thing. I say finally my red bar goes across the top too, like, like a final loading thing. So who knows how long I've been streaming? Uh, hello and welcome to the NOP Radio Raw Review. My name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and I probably don't need to read this bit anymore, but I'm still doing it. And we are live here on YouTube and also available in podcast form. Links in the description or head over to WrestlingHeadlines.net for all your latest wrestling news and whatnot. Uh, Survivor Series is this coming sad- Sunday. Nini mucked it up and said Saturday. And we went into it. And we obviously, it's a pay per view where I, I was saying to James Boyd a couple of weeks ago on the NXT review of uh, One Nation Radio that. I feel like Survivor, they haven't sold me on Survivor Series this year. I don't actually care, but the reason I do care is because of the past few years, I've generally really enjoyed the pay-per-view. Like, even if the men's Survivor Series match has been a little bit eh, or the just teams in general can sometimes be a bit eh, we normally get one decent one, one eh, one. Every now and then we get an amazing Survivor Series match, but most of the time, if there's something off about the eliminations. And uh, this year, I'll be a, a, a bit of apologies, I'm slightly distracted by my fluffy hair. <laughs> I've just noticed in the uh, video. But yeah, this is a Fiber Series. Don't know how much I really care. Because again, the reason I'm excited and looking forward to it is because I have enjoyed the shows the past few years. But this year, they've failed to sell me on the show. So it's, I guess for me, it's like the what I've said before, where it's the best way to watch WWE is to essentially... To check the stuff out on YouTube. Don't actually get invested, but then watch the pay-per-view live and you'll really probably enjoy it. Be fine. Just don't. It's weekly television. That's a slog. <laughs> don't always. But that said, that insult out of the way, this was one of the best flowing roars of the Thunderdome era for me. Like some weeks, like this show feels long, like a genuine slog for me to get through. But not this week. Like actually, this week was arguably the best episode of this era. A card with purpose and direction that built to something with consequence. Any filler was kept to backstage skits. But with only like six in-ring segments, I never felt like my time was being wasted. Like, as I number, every single time there's like a match in the ring, I'll number that. And I'll segment the backstage bits differently. So I don't number the segments in terms of including any backstage bits. Uh, For some reason I lump them together with, like I don't put in advert breaks or anything like that. I keep them segment. I don't separate. I don't number the backstage segments. So when I'm counting, when I count segments, I mean in-ring stuff. Normally, on an episode of Raw, I'm into double figures, but this week, six. That, that's NXT numbers. That for me, that's a massive positive. Did not feel like I'm watching a match and my time being wasted. Didn't feel like I've got to just kind of wait for this to end, or you feel tired because it's been such a rapid movement of segments and things. I think the record was double tonight's episode. Like, I think I got to 12 or 13 once. That's in this era, this Thunderdome era, that's, that happened. And I, like, at the time, I just remember doing the view, it was just like, and then that was one of the shows that felt so incredibly long. Uh, this week, six. Six in-ring segments. And you felt it. 
For me, the show flowed so much better. It was cutting out all of the fluff, essentially, and it's just straight home purpose, building Survivor Series. I mean, it, for me, it didn't particularly sell me on the pay-per-view, but it got me interested in, like, I guess, the product overall, just because it was an entertaining show that flowed, and it built to, it built to a purpose. It had something at the end to get to as well, which is the title of this episode... The title of this episode isn't, bloody hell, that was a good war. The title of this episode is that Drew McIntyre has once again reclaimed his WWE Championship with both applause and criticism I've seen throughout the day online. I, I'm personally, um, it's weird. Because I enjoyed this show, I'm not sure if it would make up for it, essentially. As in, was Hell in a Cell a waste of time because they've taken the title off of Randy Orton and back onto Drew McIntyre? Is it like the reports are saying that it was meant to be Randy Orton versus Roman Reigns, but Randy Orton did a no-no backstage, and this is him being actively punished for it. I don't. Again, I'm not going to definitely comment on that, but for me, uh, in terms of like a creative decision of what we're seeing on our telly screens, uh, coming out of the telly box, it's not a box anymore. Tangent. <laughs> Tangent love, I was going off. Yeah, Drew McIntyre, for me, he's, he did an amazing job as a challenger just getting that feeling that he was going to do everything to get that championship back. to a, And his segments with Sheamus really helped with that, where Sheamus was trying to get him to join Team Raw. And Drew's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm too driven on this one thing. I cannot focus on something else right now. Yeah, major props. Like, yes, major, major compliments to keep, make, keeping Drew McIntyre feeling strong. So when he beats Randy Orton, it doesn't come out of nowhere. It's not like he's had a hit of momentum and fallen down like we've seen with many people who kind of reached the top point as soon as they lost the title, just bleh, drops. It felt like there's a different purpose behind WWE right now. But the people are talking about, I guess, Kevin Owens would be one example. Had the championship, WWE Universal title, as soon as he lost it, bleh, gone. I guess Finn Balor, but he had a massive injury, came back from that. And as you know, with Vince McMahon, once you have an injury, mm, and uh, I guess, hopes out for Chelsea Green, and that doesn't happen to her. But yet, yeah, with... Drew McIntyre, he felt strong even though he didn't have the title. And that's not something we felt for like a new champion in quite some time in WWE. Like a new champion and when he loses it, he still feels strong. He's still booked strong. He doesn't drop down the card or anything. He stayed at the top. And like long term, that's a massive deal. Yeah, for, for me personally, like watching this, that, that's been a massive deal. And him claiming the championship for me is a massive positive. Way more interested in Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. Like, what a change a year and a half makes. Last year at WrestleMania, Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton was... Randy Orton versus Roman Reigns. I've seen the match so many times, I just assume that's who I wrestled in the past. Uh, Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns at WrestleMania last year. And I know it feels like the pirate one in the Performance Centre was last year. Nope, that was half a year ago. But in, in at that WrestleMania last year, with the big-ass screen, Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns was, for me, one of the more... Boring matches, but the main point of it was Roman Reigns returned. Like Drew McIntyre was trusted to be the guy that Roman Reigns had a big return bout against, and of course he was like perfect kind of position on the card to not kind of steal any spotlight or anything. Like he wasn't a megastar or anything at that point. So yeah, I guess positives for me for him winning it back. It does give the question: Was it a waste of time, Randy Orton winning it at Hell in a Cell? Then this Raw isn't that good, but this makes this the I think it's three times in the past four years they've changed the WWE Champion right before Survivor Series when they were going to have a uh, heel versus heel clash. First it was Jinder Mahal, then they put the title onto AJ Styles. Then it was, I think, was AJ Styles a heel champion? Then they, 
No, AJ Styles the champion and put it onto Daniel Bryan because they realise they're going to run the same match twice. Then, this time, it's Randy Orton being dethroned by Drew McIntyre. Almost like they didn't think ahead. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, a lot of people are saying, just have Drew McIntyre win. But I will say, it. They've not. it's not ruined the show. It will be my ultimate kind of takeaway from it. In terms of, like, am I going to be like, crapping over the fact they gave it to Orton to then immediately give it back to like, Drew McIntyre? Not immediately, but a few weeks later, just give it back to Drew. It's like, for me... It benefited this show, and it's not taken away from Survivor Series because Survivor Series itself, I'm not I feel like don't feel like they've particularly amped it up that well anyway. So something like this at least generates short term interest, right? Within a, like a week or so, just keeping the buzz going for that short period, it will do wonders there, I reckon. And Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns is something I'm way more interested in than Roman Reigns Randy Orton. So another bonus there, which is why they've done the change so many times. It's like they've not thought it through year after year, that that issue of not doing, when I say long-term booking, when they're doing, even just the pay-per-view right before, as we saw with Hell in the Cell, they're not thinking, do we actually want to do this match at Survivor Series? Right? It doesn't even, and then they start promoting it because it's champion versus champion. Like Jinder Mahal, Brock Lesnar was a big one, where <laughs> it's kind of like, are they really going to go ahead with this? And the answer was no, they weren't. But yeah, but it gives a great TV match and a great kind of TV moment. So you get something good out of it, but it doesn't take away from the show for me, so I'm not going to crap all over it. Uh, did, does it make Randy Orton's thing a bit, uh, I don't know, get him one closer, I guess, and doesn't make you sick of him as champion. At least he didn't get a long Randy Orton championship reign, I guess. Uh, yeah. And Drew McIntyre's now a two-time champion. So you know, WWE's accolades of building somebody up by having them lose the title over and over, then winning it again and again. Uh, as my brother said, he doesn't watch wrestling, and he heard John Cena's like a 15, 16-time world champion. He's like, well, he must be a crap champion then. <laughs> he keeps losing it. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, so I'll talk, I'll talk through the Drew McIntyre segment since that's the main part of this show. First of all, sit for my New Day, new day mug. Ooh. They're on Raw now, it's great. And the news came out that they're in Gears 5 <laughs> on New Day with the fully rendered models as DLC characters. Which is great for them, they, they look awesome. But uh, I don't... I mean, I've got a PC that I could do Game Pass on because of lockdown, because of everything that's going on. Uh, again, I've said at my house, like, there's an extension being built right now. But because monitors are being used for people to work at home because of coronavirus, my computer doesn't have a monitor. <laughs> so it's turned off. <laughs> Isn't that lovely? Yeah, so. Cancelled Game Pass, because I get... Yeah. So. I could get Gears 5 at any moment, but, you know, computer doesn't have a monitor. Like a worst-case scenario. So, yeah. Anyway, it's a massive tangent. Let's go. To, um, again, I'm doing this off of my laptop because of that. Yeah, well, partly of it. Uh, my other camera got taken out. Anyway, tangent. An opening segment with Drew McIntyre, and it was putting all the chips on the table for the WWE Championship possibilities that would take place later in the show, like on this final Raw before Survivor Series. So yeah, I I didn't hate this segment. This was like a intro to the show essentially. Yes, I got the intro package and everything, but this was like these are the this is the scenario. These is what this is what at stake. These are the characters in play. Go, and then it's like they showed you showed you the pieces, and then we went on with it. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I wanted that to become a natural metaphor, but nothing came. And uh, back on Raw from his little ditty to the blue side on Friday, uh, because Survivor Series is the one night a year you get to see Raw versus SmackDown superstars go head to head. That's the one night, not these other ones. No, this is this is the one night. This is the one night. 
And the uh, Drew McIntyre cuts a wee Thanksgiving promo, being all thankful, but also is amped to claymore Randy Orton's head off. But the second half of his monologue is all about Roman Reigns. It's like, his head's right up his arse, he said. Not like a pirate, but um, <laughs> again, not doing Scottish. Uh, but says he'd be stupid to be looking over and past Randy Orton when the champion himself pops up on the old Titantron to deliver his own message. He's still here with in WWE with all his fines and suspensions, but he's still on top because he is the greatest wrestler ever. It's like, are you talking about the wellness policy? Okay, <laughs> right. Uh, but it worked. Again, it's the, it's the same Randy Orton promo, like somebody on Twitter worded it as. It was a very... WWE style promo for Morton and he just delivered it the same way. Isn't it? It's a good way. It is again, in this feud with Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton, there are no more points for them to make because they've gone into that well. They've they've raised all the really good points and driven home story really well. But yeah, I mean, to be fair, this show did a really good job at making me care about the main event. And the entire show built to it in such a way that when it happened, it felt like a big match. So I've got nothing but applause for it. Uh, I, but the only con is I was done with this feud in the build to Hell in a Cell and this is now the final week for Survivor Series now, I'm at that point where I was fatigued with this over a month ago so I'm not going to really get into the story but in terms of the flow of the show you can still get me excited for something So and it did a good job getting me excited for the main event not that I particularly would want to see them wrestle anymore. <laughs> Please don't do a TLC match, for the love of God. <laughs> I know Drew McIntyre has no contenders, but please, for the love of God, don't like, have the Miz cash in your head or something. Just anything <laughs> other than that. Uh, Drew jokes that Orton forgot his three most dangerous letters in RK. It is RKO catchphrase. They've been doing this dance for so long that they can finish each other's sentences at this point. Is this, is this Drew's final note? So at least they're aware of that. Uh, again, as a viewer, I am done with it. <laughs> it's just, again, on this particular episode, I felt like they did a good job to try and make me care. They did it with Hell in a Cell as well. Did a decent job trying to make you care. It's just that I was fatigued of it, so I didn't want to see it anymore. And it's not really gonna, you have to do something incredibly special to change that feeling. And they've done a really solid job, but again, I wouldn't say it's spectacular out of this world to suddenly bring me back in. It's continuing something I've seen everything from. Uh, Miz and Morrison stroll out on their, wearing their fancy suits. Uh, their point is that Randy Orton is aware, and even Bray Wyatt too, that the Miz is actually the most dangerous person to cause change with his money in the bank briefcase. It's just Drew McIntyre who's not taking in that fact for some reason. I mean, Miz... Faced Bray Wyatt tonight, so as soon as I watched that segment, I was like, you're facing Bray Wyatt. I mean, I don't like your chances, <laughs> but, you know, you're a big heel, uh, voice your stuff. And that was the end of that segment, pretty much. There's no fisticuffs, really. Uh, just, a, just a threat of it. He's, but again, it was laying all the chips on the table. Got Randy Orton as champion. Got Drew McIntyre facing him for the championship. Then there's Miz and there's Morrison and you, go, and you bring up Bray Wyatt as well, just because that's who the Miz is facing later. It's just, it all kind of ties in. You know all of the players on the field. Now we build to it. Yeah, for, for me this is a decent intro. You don't need to have everything set up and build into like a brawl thing and then you set up for something later. It's like, no, this was just laying all the cards out. And then you saw the cards later. <laughs> yeah, because uh, decent stuff for me, yeah. you can. The, again, the opening segment doesn't have to be this barn burner of a thing. If it then builds and if the show builds and builds and builds from that point, which it did, so yeah, kudos. 
In Gorilla, before the match, uh, which the very first in-ring match of the night, uh, Lana was with Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. Uh, the upcoming six-woman tag was Lana's idea. After watching the six-man main event last week, she's like, yeah, yeah, we should do that too. Uh, help build up some chemistry by tagging on the same team as uh, Baszler and Nia. But unlike Mandy Orton, Lana, she will be more than happy to take part. Uh, Naya has none of Lana's explanation, <laughs> so the twist of this match is, yeah, the, on this match it's the other way round, where it's the other two refusing to tag the odd one out, in. <laughs> That's weird word order. Uh, so, Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax and Lana versus Asuka, Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke. I just assumed there would be no Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke, but you know, legitimately came out and legitimately did an injury spot. So, storyline-wise, we've seen them taken out, so you don't just have to incorporate real life and just go, oh, they've been injured. Uh, at least we saw the sails get ripped out from one of them. A, that's not a fact. I've mixed two or three phrases together there. A team-building exercise. Has Lana not seen how awfully that's gone for AJ? Uh, Lana starting in the ring, but Baszler immediately tagged in uh, with the champs shouting at the last to get out. Uh, Lana spent her time, like, arms folded, all grumpy grumps on the apron. <laughs> As the tag champions legit took out their opponents, uh, Shayna doing her jarring arm stomp spot, the two Mandy Rose's arm on the steel steps, just amping it up a bit because you've got to take her out, taking her completely out of the match. After that nasty injury last week, just to now she's not just out of Raw, she's out of Survivor Series as well. Right, surely, three on two, Lana's team building exercise would be a success. I mean, there's the fact that you're taking out other opponents, other, other participants on the team are being like legit taken out. <laughs> but, you know, Lana's getting on with Nyan Baszler. Like, surely they'll win and that'll help them. Now, after a run of dominance from Baszler and Jax, inevitably, Lana tagged herself in. With the base just like, what are you doing? And after an initial pin attempt, capitalising off of Shayna, uh, yeah, Lana found herself immediately caught into the Asuka lock. Oh yeah, she tagged in when Asuka was legal. Let's <laughs> just add in that little ditty. Yeah, legit got caught into the Asuka lock and lost the match. And afterwards, <laughs> it's just like, yep, yeah, you know what's coming. Uh, but this time, Naya toyed with Lana a tad. Just like, you know what? You showed courage tonight. I'm not going to put you through the table. Psych! <laughs> Obviously, I know you know that I'm not telling the truth. Of course, Nye is being a dick of a bully, and Samoan drops Lana through that announce table for the ninth week in a row. Yes, the spot continues, and I'm on the side that this is building to Lana winning the Women's Survivor Series match for Team Raw. That's what I, she's not going to do it out of being an amazing wrestler. Suddenly, so like, oh my god, all this training's paying off, and she's kicking ass. Like, no, she's going to win it like by accident or something, like fall on a dead opponent, <laughs> or just uh, or knocked out opponent or something like that. Yeah, that's my prediction. Lana accidentally somehow wins Survivor Series fourteen more. That's what this is all building to. Does she get put through a table? Who knows? <laughs> Maybe even partway through the match, Nia has enough and just puts her through a table, and then Lana's the last surviving person, and she ends up winning it. <laughs> Something like, there are multiple ways you could do it, but that's the angle I'm going. I, I would predict they've put this much work into it. What's the payoff going to be? Like they realise they've got a thing, and they've you know they've capitalised on that with the table stuff, just with the count on the screen every single week and everything. Uh, so yes, kind of. I'm looking forward to what they're going to do there, even if the match itself, again, they've not done a very good job of getting me out for the Women's Survivor Series match. But, hey, it could be, could be half decent. It's all about like the booking and the momentum of those matches. Uh, last year's NXT Women's Opener was amazing. 
whilst I thought the men's one took a little while to get going with some strange eliminations early on in the start. Uh, just because again, there's so many people in those three team matches that you had to kind of escalate it at some point and go really quickly with eliminations. Otherwise, it would way out state states welcome, especially with two or three of them. But here, you can calm it down a bit. Uh, yeah, it's all about the booking, really. In the end of the day, men's survivors these matches with amazing participants have been eh for quite a, quite a few <laughs> survivors in a row. Uh, but when they nail it, they nail it. Yeah, excited for it. Um, anyway, next up, you're ready for some casual racism. AJ Styles backstage with the rest of Team Raw. Uh, the Georgians got team shirts for the red brand. AJ brags about how humble he is. Uh, a sentence I like typing every time. And take some responsibility for the ego clashing that's been happening so far with Team Raw. Like they need to come together and take on one last team building match against lads no one likes. It's Retribution. Uh, AJ's red uh, USA ch uh, Network shirts don't go down too well. Like he's like, what? Am I meant to wear this on my bicep? Like it'll fit, damn it! <laughs> like, AJ's been great in this comedic role. I uh, love it. Yeah, all walking off in the huff when Riddle returns with a nickname for Omar Bahin. Like, and I was like, come on, lads! Like I can say it. <laughs> sure, he can. AJ asks Obig Bahin if he's been hanging out with Riddle, and uh, they respond in genuine shock to the man being able to speak English. Casual racism. Philip Medes was going for the Jackie Chan in Rush Hour gag, but without any of the setup to to hint that he might not be able to speak English. <laughs> like, you know, apart from the the one thing. Mm, mm. But yeah, there's I get the van through his accolades as well. Like you you know like on air they've told you he's a, a former sports person. <laughs> Again, I don't remember in what field. <laughs> he's a former sports person. And they ran through his accolades, so AJ was not paying attention. <laughs> it's one of those things where they thought it was a game they put in on the night. When you think about it, it makes no sense. Online, I've seen some people say they found it funny, and I'm assuming none of those people were black. <laughs> just going off that, just a casual bit of racism. Why would AJ think? It's when you think about it, why would AJ think he couldn't speak English? Like, why? Why would he? It's a game. It makes no sense. <laughs> in Rush Hour, they set it up. They, they they show circumstances where it, you yeah, where um well, I've forgotten his name a Friday, oh <laughs> Chris Tucker <laughs> yeah what yeah they showed you why Chris Tucker might accidentally think it, it yes as a bit of casual like fun person da, 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 da. but uh, they set it up at least this there was no setup here <laughs> in fact the setup has been the exact opposite telling you his accolades in US sports on air showing you as the guy stood outside the raw underground area so yeah. So, yeah, it's a line that, when you think about it, mm. <laughs> it, make, it doesn't make any... Again, this was a side gag, and I've, I've praised AJ for his stuff. I just thought I'd zone in on that. Just, you know, is it... It's just, yeah, just a casual bit of racism, just thrown in, hardy, hardy, har. And also makes no sense, because you've... The world you've... <laughs> you've already told us on air he's American. Like, if you'd set up before... that. <laughs> It makes no sense. Uh, this is the type of world body stuff. It's a, it, again, on air you've established something, but you think it's a funny gag. But again, it makes no sense. Even if you put, I was going to say, if you put the racism aside, but what I mean is, just in terms of story and I guess gag setup, you've already established the opposite. So you can't then make a gag on something that's already been opposite because that then comes across as racism. <laughs> uh, Dana Brooke updating us on Mandy Rose's injury. But before she can really rag on Naya and Shayna, Mia Yim attacks uh, and she reckons all over Dana Brooke. 
Uh, that sounded worse. Than... <laughs> Written down, that was just a crap. That was just a gag on the crappy name of Reckoning. But uh, no, it sounds. Ugh. Anyway, Funhouse time. Uh, the puppets help Wyatt train for his match with the Miz. Uh, first, ninja training. Then, spelling. Uh, Jackass. M I Z. Jackass. I-, I love that gag, especially as he built it up as it was like the kid, generally nervous, uh, asking if could you could he could you use it could you could you use it in a sentence. And he's all sweating and wiping his... I love the setup for that jag, that gag. And then accuracy. A rambling rabbit tied to a dartboard with an apple above his head. Uh, don't worry, rabbit, I never miss. And right into rabbit, the dart goes. A bullseye, shouts Bray Wyatt as uh, Alexa Bliss is like, more like rabbit heart, and they just giggle. <laughs> just laugh all evilly and weirdly. And that, uh, yeah. I think Bray Wyatt did another speech after that, but I've not noted it down. But yeah, I, I really enjoy these funhouse segments. Uh, yes, they're, they're the area which really adds so much depth to the Wyatt and uh, Bliss kind of fiend characters. I've seen the fiend character adds so much depth to it all, and you, you're looking into it. It's like, oh, what thing? Because they've set up that there is stuff to look into there, and kind of can you spot the things they're referring to? The answer is normally it's right in front of you, so yes, but it's nice. It's more depth than <laughs> the rest of the product, so it's quite nice to get into that. Plus, the dynamic is money. Like, it's great. Uh, next, arguably my favourite. That's no, I really enjoyed the main event. Raw Tag Team Championships, New Day versus Hurt Business. Just realised I said I was going to do just the Drew McIntyre parts. So I've ended up running through the show. So it happens. I'll get to Drew McIntyre in like half an hour. <laughs> Raw Tag Team Championships, New Day versus Hurt Business, uh, Cedric and Shelton Benjamin for the Hurt Business. I feel like we're getting to see this matchup rather often. Uh, but it's like it's fair to say I'm nowhere near that fatigue point right now. Like we're in week, what, two? Because New Day have been in main events against different teams. So at least they've not wrestled them every single week. But yeah, it's starting to feel like we've seen this pairing quite a lot. That said, no one is for teeth point, And I bloody loved this match. A solid tag title match to kick off that second hour of Raw. Uh, the swing of momentum swaying back and forth quicker and quicker as the match went on. Uh, both teams hot tagging into a major string of offence. Just to no avail as the other lad kicked out. Cedric absolutely launching himself with a series of suicide dives. Uh, the second rope, a tad wobbly for the third, uh, dive to Woods as Alexander also tried to concentrate on giving Shelton the time to tag him and ended up, he ended up just doing the special Womba star dive. Just, oh. <laughs> so, oh, poor Cedric. Is it, yeah. Again, the first one kind of missed on Kofi. The second one was hit, just hit with force and it caught him enough where I was like, I was fine with that. The third one was, well, the rope was wobbly and he was also trying to time it so Shelton Benjamin could definitely tag him. And it was like, there was just one too many things going on and he caught his foot on the rope and Romba Star. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, which led to a great couple of near falls. First with Benjamin nailing Kofi with an angle slam. Team Angle, yay. Then a tag team with Cedric to Woods just breaking the pin up in time. Uh, like I said, that momentum swung fast. That was enough to give room for Shelton to to get sent to the outside, that's what happened. He sent to the outside and Alexander driven inside out as Woods drove both his feet off the top rope over the Kofi knee-draped businessman. Can't remember what they said on air for that, but I've described the move. That's good enough. New Day Retain. Great little WWE TV match, that. Really, really enjoyable. And I saw some people complaining online about the Cedric thing. It was like, yeah, I mean, I watched it. They were, I can understand it happening. I ran through, I ran through the scenario. And it's like, yeah, I, things happen. I, I don't, I'm, I'm not one of those people who really gets, 
I like I watch Watchmania. I'll enjoy that. When it doesn't ruin a show for me, it's like yeah, these things happen. It's a live performance. You're going to get little things like this. <laughs> it's like, who cares? <laughs> Doesn't take away from the match for me. It added to the chaos. I don't care. It's fine. Like when, quite often, like you see a post on Twitter of like, oh, what is this? And just put a bot with the thing. And like, yeah. <laughs> I don't care. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't irritate me at all. It's like yeah, mistakes ha- happen on live TV, and <laughs> it, it doesn't take anything out from me. I'm better fans keep on watching or anything. Yeah, I don't ever interact with those posts for that reason. I've like I've got my hot takes <laughs> are so cold. <laughs> uh, Seamus and Drew like this tea actually. New day tea. That makes sense to drink it. Oh, that's lukewarm. <laughs> Lovely. Mm. <laughs> that's a little uh, nice little thing for people who've been listening to me for a little while where uh, yeah my uh, if you're watching on YouTube you get to see me pull the face as I drink my cold tea rather than just hearing me <laughs> if you're listening in podcast form then oh you're missing out on my tea drinking face yeah Seamus and Drew I don't need to do this point so, Seamus and Drew segment for the third week running uh, I'm ready for whatever this is leading to after Survivor Series uh, also applaud it for actually building to something I feel I need to bring up and applaud whenever WWE don't do week-to-week booking and actually have a story to tell. Like, their chemistry is still great. I swear every week this segment starts with, uh, you know, we've been friends for ages. <laughs> but we're totally, you, you, you go full offensive, Irish. Like, hello, 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 hello. You know we've been friends for eight. No, it's still, race. It's still offensive. <laughs> I thought I had it. Oh, I, couldn't, I didn't get out on Leprechaun. I stayed there, unfortunately. Uh, Seamus has a treasure trope chest <laughs> for Drew. Uh, and inside is his Scottish tartan gear. Uh, Seamus giving him a sword and all. Yeah. Yeah, I'm here for this. And it led to an amazing entrance for the main event. But also with the thing, he stuck the sword in the ground afterwards. Uh, so a little a little critique. <laughs> a little nerdy thing that really doesn't matter. But I, it, I, I, I've noticed it while I was watching the show. I had the thought. Seamus gives Drew McIntyre the sword. It's like, oh, this is amazing. Oh, yes, thank you. Like, he, reveals in, he was reacting like this was an awesome surprise. And he's really enjoy, he really enjoyed the awesome surprise. But then it has a full practiced entrance with the timing and everything. And he sticks the sword into the ground. <laughs> and it's like, wait a minute. No, no, wait. You reacted completely out of the, uh, like, the, out of surprise. And then then did a fully planned entrance. Which one was it? <laughs> was it a surprise or not? Uh, also, hi in the chat. Yes, yes, hello, hello. Uh, Retribution promo. Ali drives home that the team they're facing are made of the exact kind of men he's been talking about all along. They're all arrogant and ready to stab each other in the back at a moment's notice. Uh, Mia Yim jumps in, reminding us she's already made her statement tonight as well. Uh, I mean, as long as you continue to lose... Like, to be honest, I'm just fully expecting the group to be a quick elimination Royal Rumble fodder come January. Like, maybe a quick, ooh, big boy, <laughs> stare down for Dijak. That's like, what's he called? What's T-Bar, that's it. A moment to let Ali cheekily smile. Just like, yeah, I've done, aren't I a cheeky heel? Uh, but both, like, right before getting eliminated. Like, they feel like Royal Rumble fodder in the making to me, and that will cement them as lower mid-card if what we're watching already isn't. Uh, and I'll go through the match as well. Raw Men's Survivor Series team versus Retribution. Uh, AJ Styles on commentary as Keith Lee, Braun Strowman, Sheamus and Matt Riddle duked it uh, out against Retribution. 
and I guess each other with their egos. Ali running his mouth at AJ throughout the match, reveling in the advantage his team had in having actual chemistry. Uh, but Team Raw's got single-handed destroyers like Keith Lee, one-man wrecking crews that can take three men to take down. A fact where Retribution might have an advantage to start with the teamwork, but when you have a whole team of lads that each take all of you to bring down over the course of that match, that causes a slight issue. Uh, team Raw's potential fell down once again once their egos clashed, uh, their grasp on momentum lasting a short moment before it all blew up. Again, as I said, it did become an issue where it was taking like three people minimum to take down one man. And that meant over time, momentum swung towards Team Raw, but the egos clashed. Just completely swung it back. And uh, I mean, Mustafa Ali scored the pin, but it's more like, oh, I slipped on, slipped on a, I say banana, slipped on a banana. And it gets rolled up. So yeah, so it wasn't like a super convincing, aren't we great kind of win. But it's a win. Baby steps. <laughs> With retribution, it's baby steps. So yes. Uh... Next up, Nikki Cross looking for Alexa backstage. Uh, again, I could rag on Retribution, but I've done that. So just watch, an old, just watch one of the other shows I've done. <laughs> Any of the raw reviews. I've, uh, yeah, uh, my opinions on the whole Retribution thing. Clearly made up week to week and now they're paying for it. And now they're lower mid-card. And I feel sorry for everyone involved. <laughs> and Nikki Cross looking for Alexa Bliss backstage. Uh, she's determined to get her friend Lexi away from The Fiend. Uh, Sarah Schreiber uh, was there interviewing as well. She walks from her to Jeff Hardy, who's ripping a flyer off a wall. Uh, characters waiting in position to be interacted with like video game NPCs. Like, if Schreiber hadn't have pressed X, would Jeff still be standing there? Uh, it just asks him, is there something about that flyer that's upsetting you? Uh, she asks, as Hardy angrily tears <laughs> at a flyer so Rosie can see it. <laughs> like, yeah, of course there is, you nonce. <laughs> and after the break, Jeff found Elias sat in the middle of a well-lit rock room, fiddling with his instrument. Uh, Hardy's had enough of the provoking of the accusations from the music man in spite of being cleared. Uh, like, come on, Jeff. Like, this is America. You've been proven innocent. Just sue him. That's how it works. <laughs> uh, also, this feud's not dead. Hey. Uh, oh, well. Yeah. I mean, I'm not... I'm not one of the people who have I've been like hating it all the way through. It's, for me, it's been fine. I thought his position at Hell in a Cell was perfect, like a come down match after the amazing opener. But like, it is a bit of a uh, yes. Yeah, it's it's, it's mid card fodder again, and neither man's really going up the card uh, where they are. He's going to very quickly reach a point of fatigue. Uh, I guess it's continuing. That's what this was setting it up for next week. <laughs> it's not ending here. The Miz with John Morrison versus Bray Wyatt. But already, like, so close to the main event. <laughs> Again, this ma this Raw review could be so short just because of how well the show flowed. I don't have to go through 12, 13 segments. I've got six. <laughs> it's, it's such a great flow. Uh, but yes, before the match, Miz apologised for being mean earlier in the show. Like, they should find a peaceful solution. It's like, come on, Bray, there's no reason to have this match tonight. Like, let's work together and make our dreams come true. What do you say, pal? <laughs> I loved his kind of setting of that. A bit of Martin for me, I generally do... I say generally do find funny. Sometimes I find funny. Sometimes I kind of, you know, like... The way you laugh at dad humour, which is kind of just like... Uh, hmm. <laughs> so, sometimes they get that reaction out of me. Sometimes they get a little giggle. This, before the Bray Wyatt match here, that got a giggle out of me. But... 
it's Fiend Bliss who walks out. And she tells them, he says, no. Uh, Nikki Cross walks out and a nice awkward segment, a uh, little thing where Nikki Cross is talking to Lexi, like shaking her, trying to reason with her to get her, get her friend back. But Nikki Cross gets a slap and down for her troubles gets jumped on by Alexa Bliss. And after that, all the officials came out to hold the two apart. But in terms of the visual, I know they weren't going for it, but there's something that I just found hilarious about Adam Pearce holding Bliss, like, fully in the air. She was just aggressively just throwing her arms and uh, kicking out with her feet, <laughs> trying to, like, just throw fisticuffs at Nikki. <laughs> just, and then just calming as soon as the Funhouse theme played. There's something about that visual I found hilarious. Don't know why. <laughs> but the... Uh, Bray Wyatt walked out with an angry stare at Nikki Cross, but then fully beaming and jauntily bouncing down the ramp with Alexa Bliss afterwards. Uh, the match itself is uh, like a one year later updated version of their pay-per-view bout last year. Can't remember the name of the pay-per-view. It's one of the filler ones. Uh, this time with Morris... In fact, I say a filler pay-per-view. <laughs> a sentence which, yeah, WWE. This time with Morrison freaking out at the spooky things and Alexa Bliss doing her best to add to that. And Miss as well as the heel was also way more aggressive because he was a baby face when he faced Wyatt last year. This is like, that's what spurred on his whole thing with Morrison. Uh, no wariness in going after Wyatt, fully aware of the man's creepy capabilities. Uh, never mind his opponents, Funhouse Bray himself has evolved too. Beforehand he was just... Constantly saying sorry to his opponents for attacking them. And what he said at the start of this match was he doesn't have to be go this way. He doesn't have to be like this. And in the past he would have been continuing to say that throughout the match. Not here. Like, always lets his opponents, like, in. But here the kind of snap to a full-on attack Bray Wyatt was a lot quicker <laughs> than it was last year. Uh, well, we know that's just because he's on TV. Always iron things out a little bit. A... Uh, Great hilarious spot towards the end as Morrison distracted Bray from ringside, only for Bliss to launch off the steel steps and crash with him over the barricade. Like, no capitalising for Miz though. The tide was against him and he was soon crashing his head into the mat after a sister Abigail. And yeah, Bray Wyatt beats the Miz. After the match, Bliss and Wyatt link arms to skip up the ramp, but the Fiend's atonal tunes play. Uh, with a great shot of the two in arm look, uh, from behind them, looking up at the creepy mask on the Titantron. And that's quite sad. On WWE.com, it was like a side photo shot. I was like, oh. But the shot from behind was great. <laughs> that was awesome. I wanted to use that. Another <laughs> man went, no, it's not there. Ugh. I'm going to have to use Drew McIntyre, all celebratory and happy. Ugh. <laughs> uh, Charlie Caruso was then backstage with Adam Pearce. I've not really got much to say about that. It felt like it was a Wyatt establishing thing. I still don't feel like either he, or maybe give it, it was to set up the fact that The Miz is not going to cash in. So you get that kind of affirming feeling that there isn't going to be anything after the main event because you've watched both characters in Wyatt and The Miz that would get involved out of everybody have their own little thing. So you're not going to see Money in the Bank cashed in and you're probably not going to see Wyatt. Yeah, it works in that way for me, even though there's not that much really in terms of what happened there. It was enjoyable enough. Uh, but again, in terms of building up to the main event, really, really good job because it's kind of always there in the background. And this was the match, like the final match before the main event. This was the match where it was like the furthest to the foreground out of everything, just because of who was there, Mr. Money in the Bank and everything. Uh, them interacting at the start of the show with Miz and Morrison. So you're thinking about Drew McIntyre when you're thinking about Miz and Morrison. 
Good stuff. <laughs> uh, Charlie Cavuso with Adam Pearce. I think it was in the interview ring. Uh, who confirms both Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke are out of Survivor Series and are replaced with Lacey Evans and Peyton Royce. Uh, Charlie then transitions to Asuka and she's so excited. She's going to beat Sasha Banks. No one is ready for Asuka. As, uh, but she does it in her really shouty way. <laughs> in the shouty staccato way. And uh, Charlie's just there the entire time just trying her best not to corpse into laughter. <laughs> it's just, yeah, Asuka's great. <laughs> so good. It's, uh, I guess one criticism for the women's match earlier was that Asuka was a very... She won the match for the team, but she was a like sixth fiddle in the story. Asuka, since the draft, Asuka hasn't had a story. Like the focus has been on Nia Jackson, Baszler, and I guess Lana, Mandy Rose, and Dana Brooke getting a little bit of time as well. Uh, but Asuka, she's been a background character, even though she's champion. It's like, uh, that sucks. Yeah. Uh, uh, hopefully, it's the foreground after Survivor Series, and I'll just take its Survivor Series out of the thing. It's like, uh. A, uh, another great Adrian Garza promo for me. Uh, the man is, like for me, still surely a star in the making. This is giving him some solo character, so thumbs up. Uh, Nia Jax and Baszler were then riffing on each of them taking supposed teammates out. Like, what, what could he not have been a bit like softer with the attack? <laughs> uh, Royce and Evans jaunt on in. And it's like, oh, I thought we could like, do a little strategize before we go on to Survivor Series. <laughs> just a lot less British. But, uh, yeah, Jackson Baszler, just like they've done with the others, is like, what? No, piss off. <laughs> uh, so, Voice and Evans, they're getting on with them just as well as they have everybody else. So, continuity in characters. And this brings us to the main event, the WWE Championship, Randy Orton versus Drew McIntyre. The main event, after and it's only six, six in-ring segments for the entire show, on a Raw show. Just all the thumbs, like, for me... A card like this more often, please. <laughs> it's just you don't have to go into double figure in rig segments every week. Like this was perfect for me. No wonder this show was so much easier to watch. Again, I'm normally in double digits, but not one segment of in ring filler really helped the show flow. Uh, Drew McIntyre, clad in his Scottish attire, wielding the sword and sticking it into the ground in a signal for his awesome fire breathing promo to fire around him. A big match feel to the entrances after a show that genuinely built to this height of a conclusion. I mean, like, once the bell rung, I still had that feeling of over-familiarity. Like, it's what I said going into Hell in a Cell. Like, they did a great job trying to make me care, but they've been running the same man match since August, so it's fair to say I feel like I've seen it all and I'm a little fatigued. Uh, again, they can still put the good pieces together and have a great match, <laughs> which is exactly what they did. More than a decent amount of time to let the main event play out as well. Orton tried to like just leave, just to just grab the title and piss off. And not, uh, but not general manager Adam Pearce was out with an absolutely not. I'll just make this match DQ. Like get back in, you pleb. <laughs> so we started again with no disqualification. Obviously, you get your big old broadly ending to hopefully ending to their feud or at least to Orton's reign. After the break, Orton was gladly wielding chairs. Going after Drew's jaw by grinding the chair into it. Not forgetting that. That's good. Uh, smashing steel steps into the man's face. Like, keep going after it. That's good. And he does the RKO as well. So that's another kind of end point. He's just breaking down the challenger. Like, if anything, the no DQ stip was put over as really benefiting the champion. Uh, beating the lad up over the announced desk and forcing, like, a worn down Drew to fight back. Uh, unfortunately, it was 
at the strongest of all announced desks. <laughs> Two backdrops to Autumn did nothing. And neither did uh, McIntyre crashing onto it after a missed Claymore. Like, where'd you buy that table, Japan? <laughs> it's, it's invincible. Uh, no fear, they just set up a table, like a, a table table, <laughs> one table, uh, to crash through uh, by the apron instead. So you got your table smash, you people who chant, we want tables in the crowd, even though you've been given a great story, but one, one, one track mind, <laughs> you want your table. Uh, Drew pushing Randy off the apron later as the champ audibly goes, ah, S word, I can't say it on YouTube, I got demonetized last week for saying it. <laughs> take that hurt. I'm oh, sorry, take that one. I'll rephrase that with what I've actually written. Take it that hurt then. <laughs> the bleeding back bloody confirmed it. And like, in terms of like the kind of pattern that happened towards the end of the show as well, I've got a few notes just wanted to applaud. Like, I'm not going to ignore McIntyre kipping up and shouting, yes sir, I can boogie, let's go. <laughs> in my voice, that was way more comedic than he... <laughs> it's just, wait, wait, I'm not, I'm not going to ignore that. <laughs> it's like um, with Kazuchika Okada when he jumps off the top rope with a crossbody to the outside and he shouts, Scooby-Dooby-Doo! <laughs> it's like, did he just shout Scooby-Dooby-Doo? <laughs> and he made that a thing as well. He's like, yeah, to get over that. He's a bit of an interesting chap. <laughs> but yeah, Drew McIntyre kipped up. Yes, sir, I can boogie. Let's go. <laughs> Not going to ignore that he said that. Uh, the Super Duper Plex is still awesome as well, like even more so when delivering it to a big man such as Drew McIntyre. And finally, Orton's Claymore counter into a power slam is as great as it was the first match we saw it. So again, putting in all of the great pieces of a Randy Orton-Drew McIntyre match and giving us a great ending with yes sir I can boogie let's go <laughs> that's that's the one the completely new thing and I'm all for it <laughs> signaling to end with an RKO after a draped DDT off of the announced desks was uh, Autumn believed that was easily enough to get him set up for the final blow instead the closing confidence cost him as he's caught with a claymore way too many C's in that sentence Drew McIntyre takes the WWE Championship to Survivor Series and it just goes off air Again, they'd already set up beforehand that there was no like big surprise with the Miz cashing in or Ray Wyatt, just because they've shown those two busy doing a thing. Of course, the Miz just had his head driven into the mat with a sister Abigail. He's not going to be cashing in. Plus, they gave this time to evolve as well. I really, really enjoyed it. It was a great main event and hopefully great end to the feud. <laughs> it's been August. It's now like the end, yeah, towards the end of November. It's nearly Christmas. It was summer when they start. I'm ready for it to end. <laughs> they've not faced, they've not defended against anybody else. Like we had a brief encounter with Keith Lee. That is, uh, yeah. Now he's in Survivor Series. He's in mid card thing. I guess he's kind of getting his character over against other big men. But yes, yeah. And for me, this capped off a great raw, which again built. It felt like a two hour show to me, even though I know it wasn't. It's just because normally to like within the third hour, where it's just, I finished the second hour. And there's just stuff in the third hour before you get to the main event. And that stuff, for me, quite often that's when I fatigue. That I feel like you're wasting my time before we actually get to the thing we're all staying around for. Like, don't do that. <laughs> like, even going to put that anywhere. First hour for me. When I'm most into the show. Or space it out. Don't do it back to back. But what, the way they did it this week, where any of that kind of filler building up stuff, don't have it be a match, have it be backstage. And you can get that across backstage instead. For me, that worked a lot better. Just the flow of this match, uh, this show was great and capped it off with a fantastic main event. 
And that helps me get hyped for Survivor Series, even though you did nothing to actually sell me on the pay-per-view. Uh, they, they were hyping after the match. It's like, oh, Drew McIntyre will face Roman Reigns. Aren't you excited for that match? And the response seems to be a strong yes. So uh, a great audible from WWE. Like Every one of these Survivor Series audibles have worked. It's just, uh, obviously, when you're building a pattern, and now this is the third time in four years, people recognise it now. So, you know, just book ahead next time. <laughs> it's, you know, it's your product. You know the pay per view is coming. Just book ahead for it. <laughs> you, don't, you don't, so you don't get caught by surprise and have to do a last minute change. So yes. Anyway, so yeah, major positives and more. Uh, to give it a grade, well, my, my grades again are like a sentence to sum up the whole show. Um, it, yeah, it flowed. It was great. The, yeah, yes, the best flowing Monday Night Raw of the Thunderdome era. So I won't say it's the best raw of the entire era because again I've got a memory of a goldfish but also like it's all subjective like I won't guarantee that you'll enjoy this raw because again some people enjoyed raw like, last week I thought it was fine <laughs> and uh, this week I really enjoyed it saw people say uh, it was, was alright but no for me this was the best flowing show it doesn't mean you'll love each individual segment so won't have any gripes with it especially the, uh, the, the Survivor Series matches I can see people just really not caring about that but for me, yeah, the show built and escalated and he got to that main event and it all did it really well. So, thumbs up. Best flow show of the era. Anyway, Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns. Are you excited for it? Have they done a good enough job to tell you on it? What about the other tier Survivor Series matches that ought to be taking place this Sunday? Was this, again, a thing I'm not really brought up, did this work as a go-home show? Because even if people were... Uh, for me, I enjoyed the show, but my thing is I'm, I'm still not super excited for Survivor Series. I'm tuning in more out of... I've enjoyed the past few years, not because what you've shown me on the TV screen. You know, and I'm covering it for the wrestling headlines. <laughs> so, yes. So, yeah, I've been doing that anyway. It doesn't matter what the build is. doesn't matter if I care or not. I'm covering it, so I've got to watch it. <laughs> anyway, so I'll be back on Thursday for the NXT review, and I will also be live immediately following Survivor Series on Sunday before WWE Aftershock, or wrestling headlines Aftershock. Yeah, immediately afterwards as well. So that'll be whenever the show finishes, I'll be live within like 15 minutes, hopefully. Yeah, so see you then, guys. <laughs> and uh, thank you for watching, liking, subscribing here to Investing Headlines, uh, five starring on whatever podcast appy thing you're listening to. You can even go to Red Circle, and there's a link in the description on Red Circle to donate to Wrestling Headlines. I think it's called, it's called LP Radio over there as well, just to help us out keeping all this stuff rolling. And. That's, I think that's the only money thing to plug. Anyway, so I'll be back on Thursday. I'll also uh, recommend tuning into the Wrestling Shorts Twitch stream as well. I'll be... I'm normally, if I'm not live on there with Ash, I'll be in the chat. So, yeah, so Ash from Wrestling Shorts. Yeah, good chat. That out. I'll be live myself on Twitch again on Friday. I'm live at the moment, Mondays and Fridays, but I feel like I'm a single-player game guy more, more than not. So if I want to stream that stuff, I'm going to have to go live a bit more often. Because how quickly I'm going to get through a game playing it once a week for a couple of hours. So I might kick up how much I'm streaming on Twitch. But anyway, Mondays and Fridays for now. If you want to go over to the implications with a second S. Yes. Anyway, thank you for watching and whatever. Uh, with that, I say, I bid you adieu. Adios. Did the outro wrong. <laughs> I bid you adieu. Adios. Ten.